Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello everyone. This is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, November 6, 2010, on a Saturday, which is the Sabbath or Shabbat. Before I get into the uh, Torah readings today, which are the following, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 28, oh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 19 of Genesis 28, verse 9, and then Malachi, the Haftara section, uh, Malachi chapter 1, uh, to Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, and then the Brit Tadashah, or the uh, Renewed Covenant section is Romans chapter 9, verses 6 to 13. I want to talk to you about uh, something that... Um, going to affect not only the United States, but other countries worldwide, since we lead the world uh, in reference to uh, finances and so forth. Uh, this information is from the National Inflation Association. Now, before I read this, because uh, I think many of you need to understand what the Bible has prophesied about what is occurring as I'm speaking, uh, Genesis chapter 6, and this is the third seal. And starting in verse 5, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, which symbolizes economics, or economics. Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, so wheat is food, right? And three measures of barley for a penny, so... Again, we're, we're talking about monetary things here, money and food. And three measures of a barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So the third seal obviously is indicating economic um, instability problems. Now, in my King James Bible study uh, Bible, it has uh, excellent commentary on this. It says the third seal represents inflation and famine. And this is what Christ referred to in Matthew 24, verse 7. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7. It says, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And what will this cause? And there shall be famines and pestilences. So when you have famine, famine means lack of food to feed your family a depressionary state, then that causes diseases. So there should be famines and then pestilences and earthquakes in various places, and we're already having earthquakes in various places worldwide. So this is all prophesied to happen for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. So whenever I read any type of secular information, secular means outside of the Bible information, please realize that I'm reading it to you because it only supports and certifies what God has stated would happen anyway in the Bible. Now, in Isaiah chapter 3, another scripture is popping in my head. Isaiah chapter 3 states the following in, in, in terms of this. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, the Lord of hosts does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. Whenever you see Jerusalem and Judah together, that's referring to the two tribes of Israel in most cases. Uh, the house of Judah and then the house of Israel. Now, if you 
need explanation on that. I've explained this many times in this program, and I have to continue to because most people don't understand this. Not even many of the Jews understand this. The ten tribes of Israel consist of the regions, geographical regions of today, of the United States, Canada, Austria, Australia, rather, New Zealand, South Africa, and the countries in Northwestern Europe, including uh, Britain or the United Kingdom. So, and then, of course, it also includes people who believe in Yeshua, the Messiah. The Messiah is a king of Israel, so if you believe in the king of Israel, then you are definitely a part of the commonwealth of Israel, as Ephesians chapter 2 reveals. So that is Israel, ladies and gentlemen. So whenever you see that, Jerusalem and Judah, and whenever you see Judah, that's primarily referring to the Jews, the house of Judah. And there were 12 tribes of Israel, as Genesis chapter 49 reveals, ladies and gentlemen, and the house of Judah, or Judah, is just one of those tribes. So I have to explain this each and every time, because I'm sure I'll, I'll get some people that have never heard of me before, or never have heard uh, my um, Bible studies, so I need to let you know about that. But for, an or, for a more exhaustive study or more detailed study of this, you should go to your Davidi's website. It's www.britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org. That's www.b as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org. Your Davidi lives in Jerusalem. He is not a believer yet. <laughs> But uh, I'm hoping that he, he does become a believer, but he's an Orthodox Jew. And he has, God has used him to reveal to the world, basically, the truth about the tribes. So please, I encourage you to go to that website. So anyway, in, in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and Judah, referring to all the tribes of Israel, the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. So that's the first thing that he takes away. And if you look at this, he's taking away a lot of things uh, because of sin. All right. And I just wanted to read that to you so you'll fully understand what I'm about to read to you today. Now, I don't know if you, well, let me read this. Too. This, this was a, a bulletin from the National Inflation Association. So what I suggest each of you do is do a Google search on National Inflation Association, NIA, you should be familiar with that website. Sign up on their free email uh, messages that they email to you. And really inform yourself about what's about to happen here, what is happening here. Because it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this country will not be as great as it is now in the next few years. And... The date of this article is November 5th, 2010. Please pay attention to this. Wake up. Stop thinking that things are going to be the way they are, and, and we'll be able to look at our football games and look at MTV and have fun. It's not, ladies and gentlemen. God is not pleased with that kind of behavior, and he wants to wake us up to reality. Uh, November 5th, 2010. The title of this article is NIA Projects Future U.S. Food Prices Increases. The National Inflation Association today announced a release of its report about NIA's projections of future U.S. food price increases due to the massive monetary inflation being created by the Federal Reserve's $600 billion quantitative easing. That's, that's the concept that they call it, quantitative easing, which is really using uh, printing money to, uh, to pay the national debt, which doesn't make sense because none of the money that we're printing using the printing machines at the U.S. Treasury, is not backed up by silver or gold. So all we're doing is, in effect, increasing prices and devaluing the dollar. The dollar is devalued, meaning that it's not worth as much. That's the reason why prices have to increase. That's the reason why merchants have to increase their prices so they can make more money because the value of the dollar has gone down. So I'm just trying to break this down that you can understand it, okay? All right, so that's what quantitative easing is. Now, this report was written by NIA's president, Gerald Adams, who believes food inflation will take over in 2011 as America's greatest crisis. According to Mr. Adams, making mortgage payments will soon be the last thing on the minds of all Americans. We currently have a currency crisis that could soon turn into hyperinflation and a complete societal collapse, which the third seal of the book of Revelation predicts, ladies and gentlemen. And this is God's word. 
and this is backing up God's word here. For every economic problem the U.S. government tries to solve, it always creates two or three much larger catastrophes in the process, says Adams. Just like we predicted this past December, the U.S. dollar index bounced in early 2010 and has been in free fall ever since. Bernanke, who is the current uh, head of the uh, Federal Reserve, QE2, Quantitative Easing 2, or QE2, that's the acronym for it, will likely accelerate this free fall into a complete U.S. dollar route, Warren Adams. NIA projects that at the average U.S. grocery store, it will soon cost $11.43. says NIA projects that at the average U.S. grocery store, it will soon cost $11.43 for one ear of corn, $23.05 for a 24-ounce loaf of white bread, $62.21 for a 32-ounce package of Domino granulated sugar, $24.31 for a 32-floor fluid ounce container of soy milk, $77.71 for 11.30 ounce container of Folgers Classic Roast Coffee, $45.71 for a 64 fluid ounce container of Minute Maid Orange Juice, and $15.50 for a Hershey's Milk Chocolate 1.55 ounce candy bar, which I don't eat anyway, but for those who do. NIA also projects that by the end of this decade, a plain white men's cotton T-shirt at Walmart will cost $55.57. NIA's special U.S. food price projection report is available uh, for download at their website for those who want more information. Now, the report highlights how despite cotton rising by 54%, corn rising by 29%, and soybeans rising by 22%, orange juice rising by 17% and sugar rising by 51% during the months of September and October alone, these huge commodity price increases have yet to make their way into America's grocery stores because corporations have been reluctant to pass these price increases along to the consumer. In today's dismal economy, no retailer wants to be the first to dramatically raise food prices. However, NIA expects all retailers to soon substantially raise, and let me underscore substantially, raise food prices at the same time, which will ensure that this holiday shopping season will be the worst in recorded American history. So that's, this is what they're predicting. I'm not predicting. I'm just reading it. But it says here, which will ensure that this holiday shopping season will be the worst in recorded American history. And if this happens the way they state, it will be. If you are an NIA member and have a qu- well, I'm not going to read the rest of that, but <laughs> it's, it's disturbing, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, the media is telling everyone everything is okay and that we're in a recovery, and we're not in a recovery, ladies and gentlemen. That is a flat lie. That is a flat lie, and we need to stop being lied to, and one of my jobs is to give you the truth, not only biblical truth, but any kind of truth. And and uh, we need to understand uh, that things are really getting bad here. Now, even the um, the United Nations sees food prices rising, and I got this article from uh, Infowars.com and says uh, the, the the title of this article: A loaf of wheat bread may soon cost twenty-three dollars due to skyrocketing food price inflation. This is posted by um, Kurt Nemo, or actually, the name of the article, the name of the person who wrote the article is Mike Adams from Natural News, November six, two thousand ten. I must always give credit when it's due. So. Um, Right here in the subheading of the article, even the UN sees rising food prices. It's not just the NIA that sees a future with much higher food prices, by the way. Both the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development as well as the UN Food and Agriculture Organization also predict rising food prices. Okay, so you got backed up by this organization that probably no one has ever heard of, NIA, plus an organization that everyone has heard of, the United Nations. So if you want more proof, I don't know what more I can give you, ladies and gentlemen. Now, on top of that, from the excellent magazine called Whistleblower, many people say, oh, they're Republican, and, uh, and they, they have a Republican uh, perspective. Yes, they have a conservative uh, perspective. Uh, they understand that it's wrong uh, for homosexuals to be homosexuals. and nothing wrong with that. It's biblically based. And they do have uh, other things uh, that is lines up with the Bible. And the guy... The publisher is not afraid to quote scriptures, you know. So that's the reason why I recommend you you get this. Now, does everything that they say is is it right? Of course not, you know. But uh, we have to all learn how to use our brains and be able to divide the, safely divide the word of truth from error. 
So anyway, uh, one of the things that does make sense that this um, article and this magazine talks about, uh, this is the uh, October 2010 edition of Whistleblower. Uh, Jerome Kersey, uh, he's in Harvard, um, Ph.D., and he talks about here on page 18 of Whistleblower, the October 2010 edition, it says $787 billion stimulus fraud cost 3 million jobs. Now, he has an interesting chart here. Now, this is taken not from him, but from the United States Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics. And it's a, it's a chart on the history of net jobs gained and lost. Uh, the chart begins at 1993, and it ends at 2009. Now, interestingly, between 1993 to the year 2000, all jobs were in the, in the positive. Jobs were gained. From 1993 to the year 2000, that's interesting. And I look at my life, and getting jobs wasn't very—it wasn't difficult for me back then. Uh, between 1993 and the year 2000, I started having problems, serious problems. Me and my wife both, starting in the year 2001, and we know what happened in, the, in the 2001, right? Uh, the um, September 11th attacks, which at the next day after that next trading day we had what was back then the biggest uh, stock market uh, collapse ever but of course we over exceeded that with the what I feel biblically significant 777 uh, stock market crash uh, in September of uh, 2008 but anyway starting in 2001 we started to get a negative occurrence of jobs in other words uh, not having jobs and then it, it continued on until uh, 2003. We started to recover in 2003, and we were gaining jobs. And then in 2000, well, yeah, we, we, we continued to gain jobs. And then toward the end of 2007, we started to see a dip. And then in 2008, ever since 2008, in particular in September of 2008, we have had a significant, a very significant drop drop now in this article he states um, what Obama supporters attempt to cover up is the fact that instead of creating 3.5 million jobs as the president promised when first hyping the stimulus plan 3 million jobs have been lost under Obama so and then right here he states with 3 million jobs lost since Obama became president and the 3.5 million jobs he promised would be created if the stimulus plan were passed Harris just concludes the Obama job deficit for 2010 stands at 7.6 million jobs. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, I, I'm trying to, to wake some of you up to reality. We need to start doing what um, Noah did. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. There's two different types of fear. There's common sense fear or uh, righteous fear. In other words, if you're in a fire and you have a way to get out so you don't get burned, are you going to just sit there? No, you're going to leave. Okay, that, that's the type of fear you should have. If you know somebody's going to knock you in the head, are you going to sit up there and let them knock you in the head? No, you're going to even move your head or defend yourself. Well, this is the same concept here. Uh, in Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith or trust, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. I'm telling you about things now, ladies and gentlemen. Now, some of you listening to me say, well, hey, I'm okay. I got a nice job. I got a fat belly. Hey, you know, I'm eating, uh, eating my hot dogs, hamburgers, enjoying everything. Eh, nothing going to happen to me. Eh. Well, you may feel that way now, okay? But I am warning you. God is using me and others to warn you of what the Bible indicates is going to occur. And it's already occurring. But the full uh, extent of it hasn't occurred yet. And because of that, many people are still complacent. But Moses, uh, Noah wasn't complacent. Noah knew and believed God, and he acted on that with fear. And, and, and Hebrews 11, verse 7, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, 
prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by, of by faith. So there's nothing wrong, ladies and gentlemen, with preparing, preparing for the worst. And that's what we have to do right now. That's what we have to do. We have to prepare for things. And we just can't just think that everything is going to be the way it is when the United States is $200 trillion in debt. That's including the entitlement programs that we have. When I mean by the entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicaid, um, unemployment insurance, those are all called entitlement programs. And, and, and you have to add that debt in addition to the national debt that we have and, and also the, the uh, annual debt that we have. You have to add all that to get the true figures. And uh, the media and, or politicians are not telling you uh, what the truth is in reference to that. And unfortunately, many people aren't prepared for the worst as they should be because of that. And they think everything is is uh, going to continue the way it is, and, and it's not, ladies and gentlemen. And in and, and Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, it says, A prudent man or a wise man foresees the evil. I foresee the evil. Do you? I foresee it. And I'm preparing to hide myself. <laughs> okay? But the simple pass on and are punished. And God doesn't want you to be punished. That's a part of being worthy to escape all these things. If you foresee the evil and act on it, then it won't, nothing won't happen to you. But if you, if you continue to think things are the way they are and I don't need to change and God is pleased with my behavior and all that, when obviously you're doing things that's not pleasing in his sight, you won't be protected and you will be punished. So let's, let's stop all this, uh, this foolishness and, and thinking that uh, everything is okay, uh, nothing really uh, great has happened in my life in a negative way, then so if everything is okay with me, then then the world must be okay, too. You can't look at the world based on your life. You have to look at the world based on the facts, based on facts and based on the way things are, and only apply it to your life if the facts back it up. Just like, you know, the job problems me and my wife are having, uh, many minorities have in this country, uh, definitely was uh, influenced by September 11th and, of course, the stock market crash. I have stats to prove it. If you don't believe that I can email you documents to prove that that the gap between the rich and the poor is, is the greatest among this country than in any other nation, the United States. So, you know, folks, we, we need to to get serious, and we need to have the right kind of fear. We need to have the right kind of fear, and we need to fear God. And and God wants us to to understand that um, He is a great being, and he desires to be obeyed, and he has a right to be obeyed, ladies and gentlemen. He has the right. So uh, for us to think that he doesn't have the right, then there's something wrong with you. Now, talking about the fear thing again, because I think people misunderstand this, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 18, and all the people... Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they moved and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, that not we die. And in verse 20, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. That's the right type of fear. If you are, you are afraid so that you don't sin, that's the kind of fear that God wants us to have. He wants us to be so afraid of things that we don't sin. That's healthy fear. Unhealthy fear is the kind of fear that causes you to sin. Just like, uh, remember, Christ said, remember Lot's wife. Okay? Uh, Lot's wife was afraid that God didn't mean what he said, obviously. He, he told them to flee, and she turned her head back. She wanted to go back to an area that was being destroyed. 
because she didn't believe in God, obviously. We don't want to, that's the wrong type of fear. We don't want to have that kind of fear. The only kind of fear we should have is a fear that's going to drive us not to sin, ladies and gentlemen. Let me repeat what the great prophet Moses stated here under the inspiration of God. In verse 20 of Exodus chapter 20, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear is a difference. His fear versus our fear. His fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. That's the reason why God appeared to them in the way he did, to put the fear in them, the right type of fear, so that they would obey him. Of course, that didn't work, as we know, for the majority of them. That, that, because they said, Don't, let not God talk to us. Let Mo-. And then, of course, God gave them what they wanted, and then we wonder why God doesn't speak to us today. But that's another story, I mean, personally to us today. But anyway, um, so we have to prepare, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you, uh, I'm not trying to put cowardly fear into you. I'm trying to put the right type of fear that things are going to get worse, and we need to prepare for it spiritually first and socioeconomically, meaning, you know, being able to make a living to stay a bread second. Okay, in the remaining 33 minutes that I have here, let me go to this website here so I can summarize the Torah readings. But it was very important that I get this out to you because I, you know, I I know I'm going to be judged of God. I mean, from what I know, He's given me a lot of knowledge, and I have to to help people with the knowledge, or else He's going to hold me accountable to it. So you know, and plus I want to help people anyway. So, but but again, you know, I, I don't want. God coming at me and say, well, hey, you knew this. How come you didn't make an attempt to tell people about it? So, you know, that that's the reason why I, uh, one of the reasons why I'm motivated to do what I need to do. But second of all, I'm learning that I should do it anyway because I don't want someone to do it for me. So anyway, um, I'm going to read this summary from um, Kabat here uh, where it says, uh, Isaac, Mary's Rebecca, and this is uh, the Torah portion for this week in the uh, the, uh, the uh, first five books of Moses. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 and 28, verse 9, this is from Kabad, um, the website, chabad.org. It says, Isaac marries Rebecca. So this is from chabad.org, chabad.org. Isaac marries Rebecca. After 20 childless years, their prayers are answered, and Rebecca conceives. She experiences a difficult pregnancy as the children struggle inside her. And, of course, we know that the children struggling inside her are Isaac, not Isaac, <laughs> Jacob, which consists of the 12 tribes, okay, and then Esau. All right. So she experiences a different, which will later on consist of the 12 tribes, because Jacob's name, as you can remember, was changed to Israel. She experiences a difficult pregnancy as the children struggle inside her. God tells her that there are two nations in your womb and that the younger will prevail over the elder. Esau emerges first. Jacob is born clutching Esau's heel. Esau grows up to be a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Jacob is a wholesome man, a dweller in a tense of learning. Isaac favors Esau. Rebekah loves Jacob. Returning exhausted and hungry from the hunt one day, Esau sells his birthright, his rights as the firstborn to Jacob for a pot of red lentil stew. Now, this is pretty interesting that because of food, lust for food, because of lust for food, Esau sold his birthright. And we have to be very careful, ladies and gentlemen, because there, there's a history in the Bible and the history of our people. We have a problem when it comes to food. Even God calls us Jezreel, wax fat. You know, we have a problem when it comes to food. We are one of the fattest nations in the world. In Deuteronomy, chapter 32, there's a prophecy about us, which really hits hit us on, on the nose as far as who Israel is, because we are definitely one of the fattest people, if not the fattest people, on the planet Earth. I mean, we're just bouncing all over the place like Fat balls all over the place. I mean, whenever I, uh, it's just whenever I look at TV or out in the street, I see somebody with an enormous fat belly. 
I mean, we're just we're just uh, fat people, and, and and we need to to repent of that. I'm trying to find the prophecy here. Here, here we go, right here. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Now remember this prophecy. Before those who think, oh, this is the Old Testament, that that that. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31, starting in verse 24. 31 verse 24, And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. We are stiff-necked people. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. Verse 28, and this is sad. I mean, let me repeat verse 27. For I know thy rebellion. What is rebellion? It's, it's sin against God, not doing what you're supposed to do. And thy stiff neck, behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And how much more after my death? Verse 28, gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. Verse 29, for I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days or in the future days, the days we're living in today, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And in verse 30, and Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel, or the assembly, or the church of Israel, the words of this song until they were ended, and then starting in verse 1 of chapter 32. This message is for the entire planet, folks. Verse 1, Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Okay, so this is supposed to be preached to as many people that can see or hear. The entire world. Now, he states here about Jacob. We're starting in. Uh, I'll start in verse eight here. It says, "Imagine verse seven. Many people don't want to hear the same old thing over again. But God states here in verse seven: Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show thee, or should show you." thy elders, and they will tell thee. Verse 8, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, we are all sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the children, to the number of the children of Israel. Verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, who we were talking about today, is a lot of his inheritance. In other words, the, the, the tribes of Israel are the foundation of, of, of the world. That's what they are. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. That's what Jacob is to God. Verse 11, as an eagle stirred up her nest, is it any wonder that uh, the United States have the bald eagle as their symbol on the seal? Anyway. As an eagle stirred up her nest, fluttered over her young, spread about her wings, taken them, bearing them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places on the earth. The United States currently, ladies and gentlemen, rides on the high places on the earth. We're the most blessed country in the entire world. That he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock verse verse 14 butter of kind and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats and the fat of kidneys of wheat and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape as we do today we love to drink alcohol don't we verse 15 but Jezrun Jezrun wax fat and kicked thou art waxen fat thou art grown thick thou art covered with fatness then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. 
I'm just reading that to you because God knows the end from the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. He knows our people got a problem with food. We got a problem with food. We eat so much junk food today. We tear our bodies up to the extent where we have to have these ridiculous surgeries. Well, all we need to do is eat healthy. Ninety, almost 99% of our illnesses are diet-related. We don't eat right. And I'm just imploring you and trying to encourage you to learn how to eat right. If you don't know how to eat, and if you're sick all the time and you're fat and can't even get out of the chair, please email me, canard at com. I will give you information that will change your life on how to eat, how to take care of yourself, etc. It's available if you want it, the information. Anyway, let me continue to read the summary of the Torah portions. Uh, in Gerar, in the land of the Philistines, Isaac presents Rebekah as his sister out of fear. Now, he's only doing what his father Abraham did. He had lied about Sarah being his sister and so forth. It was kind of like a half lie, but still was a lie. So out of fear that he would be killed by someone coveting her beauty. Now, this tells you that you have to be careful what you teach your children. Because what children will tend to do is copy what you teach them. Because most of them don't have enough sense, or not taught anyway, that parents can be wrong about some things. Now, I teach my son that, and I'm hoping that if I do something stupid, that he realizes, wait a minute, I'm not going to do that same stupid thing my dad did. Okay? But anyway, um, he farms the land, reopens the wells dug by his father Abraham, and, and bores a series of his own wells over the first two. There is strife with the Philistines, but the waters of the third well are enjoyed in tranquility. Esau marries two Hittite women. Isaac grows old and blind and expresses his desire to bless Esau before he dies. While Esau goes off to hunt for his father's favorite food, Rebekah dresses Jacob in Esau's clothes, covers him, there's a little deception here, little, a lot, <laughs> covers his arms and neck with goat skins to dissimulate the feel of his hairier brother, prepares a similar dish, and sends Jacob to his father. But the prophecy that God gave uh, Rebekah and Isaac stated that Jacob would be the one that would get the birthright anyway, and this is how it happened, because God knows the end from the beginning. So prepares a similar dish and sends Jacob to his father. Jacob receives his father's blessings for the dew of the heaven and the fat of the land and mastery over his brother. When Esau returns and, and a deception is revealed, all Isaac can do for his weeping son is to predict that he will live by his sword. And that and they do today. The Arabs do today. <laughs> and and that when Jacob falters, the younger brother will forfeit his supremacy over the elder. Jacob leaves home for Charon to flee Esau's wrath and to find a wife and the family of his mother's brother Laban or Laban. Esau marries a third wife, Machlet, the daughter of Ishmael. And that, you know, Ishmael, of course, uh, as we get the majority of Arabs from, and then, of course, Esau mixed his seed with Ishmaelites. So. Arabs are mixed with uh, the line of Esau as well, and that's where that came from. So, um, Interesting story here. This is really the genesis of the Middle East conflict, ladies and gentlemen. Esau represents defiancy toward God, and the Arabs definitely don't respect God, um, what he says in his word about Isaac having the, uh, about Jacob having the birthright. And they, they claim today that, uh, well, Jacob got the birthright in a deceptive way, sure, but God prophesied that he would be the the one that would uh, receive the uh, the birthright anyway. So they say, well, hey, that that's the reason why we need to destroy the Jews, and of course that's not biblical um, based on, on, on how they feel there. So it, it's just... Um, it's just, it's just uh, very unfortunate that this happened, but that's the way it it occurred, and that's the reason why we have a Middle Eastern conflict today. This is the genesis of it. So that that is basically the Torah portion there, uh, as far as Genesis. And now let's turn to the Hattara section or the Prophet section. 
uh, beginning in Malachi chapter 1. And I'm going to read to Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. Malachi chapter 1. Starting in verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau. He didn't like Esau. And late, and you can understand why, because he gave his... And then there's there's um, the book of Jasher, which is talked about in the Bible, by the way, uh, has a uh, story about this whole incident of him wanting the, the soup and all that, they were attending Abraham's funeral, according to what the book of Jasher says. And he did not, he was too busy thinking about his tummy instead of paying his respects for his father. And if this story is true, then you can understand the reason why God hated Esau, even though you don't need this story to understand that God didn't like Esau for just giving it up his birthright for a bowl of soup. I mean, that's ridiculous, you know. But uh, Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, 3, rather, And I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom said, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call. Now, this is a prophecy because the Arabs today think that they could um, take over Jerusalem. And God says that's not going to happen. We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. That's a prophecy. And they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord have indignation forever. And that's Esau is a symbol, ladies and gentlemen, of being against God and his people. And you don't want to be that way. And he said he will have an indignation for you forever if you are. Verse 5, and if you're anti-Semitic, you are of the, of the tribe of Esau. If you are anti-Semitic and hate the Jews. Verse 5, and your eyes shall see and you shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Verse 6, a son honor his father, or should honor his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? So this is a prophecy today that most people don't respect the true God the God God the Father in heaven. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? So again, ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to revere him or fear him. Let's take a look at what this word means in the original Hebrew. I mean, people need to stop thinking that all fear is bad. It's not. There's certain fear that God wants us to have. So, and it's healthy fear. Well, what do you know? Oh, here it is. Where is my, um, that means dread or terribleness, terror. But that's one of the points of prophecy is to scare us into not sinning. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that. And even Christ feared. Let me uh, find a scripture that proves that here. Okay, let's see. Okay. Then Hebrews five verse seven reveals this about Christ. It says who in the days of his flesh Hebrews five verse seven, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. His kind of fear was healthy fear. It wasn't cowardly fear. So, you know, you, we have to understand, 
know, and that word means reverence, but reverence can mean fear. You 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 respect someone, and you know that if you don't do certain things, then there's consequences. That's the right type of fear. Okay, back to Malachi. And you know, people can understand this when <laughs> I talk about if somebody has a gun and they're getting ready to shoot you. What you're going to do if you have a way to escape? You're going to escape, right? Well, that's the that's the right type of fear to have. So anyway, uh, Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, it says, A son honor of his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name, and you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon my altar, which is they were not offering the right type of offerings on the altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible, or to be despised. Verse 8, And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Talking about animals here. Offer it now unto thy governor, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, says the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been your means. Will he regard your person, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Verse 11, this is a prophecy of the future. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name, so even the Gentiles will be offering sacrifices and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen the heathen meaning those who are not of the tribes of israel verse 12 but you have profaned it in that you say the table of the lord is polluted and then the fruit thereof even his meat is contemptible you also said behold what a weariness is it and you have snuffed at it says the lord of hosts and you bought that which was torn and the lame and the sick thus you bought an offering should i accept this out of your hand says the lord Verse 14, but cursed be the deceiver which having his flock a male and valve and sacrificing to the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. So here we go again with the fear thing, but, you know, God needs to be feared in the right way. Chapter 2, starting in verse 1 and ending in verse 7. And now, O you priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse among you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and he has. He's corrupted our seed. And spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. Now, do you realize what that means? He will corrupt our children, if we don't obey him. And he has. He's allowed our children to be corrupted. And they are corrupted today, ladies and gentlemen, with the MTV and the Beavis and Butthead, which is they're going to have new cartoons uh, this fall. I think they're showing them already. Uh, Family Guy and and uh, The Simpsons, all these programs do the devil's work for them. If you want to destroy a person's mind, they have them look at that all day. And I guarantee you their, their mind will be destroyed. And and our seed has been corrupted because we have forsaken the law of God collectively. Verse 4, you know, our, our educational, if you go to the OCED website, O-C-E, as an elephant, D, as in dog, website, you can see that we are 25th in math and I think number 30th in science. Our kids don't have have their heads in, in education today. They have their heads in filth. Uh, they're too busy having thinking about boyfriends and girlfriends, and in some cases, boyfriends and girlfriends. Some of them are gay, which doesn't make it uh, any better, you know. And, and it's just it's just ridiculous. We got to get our head out of the sand, out of the the, the bowl of filth. Verse four. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you that my covenant might be with Levi, which Levi is is a priest uh, of the priestly line, and the righteous Levi, a righteous Levi, 
is is an individual that that preaches the word of God correctly and keeps the law of God and shows people how to do it. Verse 5, my covenant or agreement was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherein he feared me. Here we go with fear again. (laughs) And was afraid before my name. Okay, so again, God wants us to revere him, to have great respect towards him. That's, That's the righteous type of fear that God wants. And knowing that if we don't have this kind of respect, that something will happen to us. You know, as I tell my son, I'm going to tell each and every one of you, we're going to obey God or the devil. The advantage of obeying God is that there's rewards in obeying God. When you obey the devil, there's no reward in obeying the devil. There's only death. So I'd rather take my chances obeying God rather than the devil. And if you're thinking logically, you should too. So anyway, um, Malachi 2, verse Five, my covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear, whereof he feared me and was afraid before my name. Verse 6, the law of truth was in his mouth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, is the Torah or the teachings of God, which is translated law, but a better translation is Torah, which is the doctrines or teachings of God. Verse 6, the law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips because he feared him. That's why he feared the Lord. He he highly respected him. He walked with me in peace and equity. And what is peace, ladies and gentlemen? What, What causes peace? Let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, the teachings of God. If you, you have to love, not just say, oh, I've got to keep the Sabbath. You have to really love God's law to have peace. And, and if, if you do, nothing shall offend you or cause you to stumble. And verse 166 says, Lord, I have hope for thy salvation. And how do we hope for salvation? By doing the commandments. It says, Lord, I have hope for thy salvation and done thy commandments. Back to Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. That's what a true minister or servant of God should be, is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. Okay, in Romans chapter 9, hopefully I have enough time to read this. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse, starting in verse 6. Not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of, are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 8, that is, they which are... They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So he's just referring to the, the great prophecy again that stated an objection to the Arabs and what they believed that Jacob was prophesied to get the birthright. And, of course, the Bible reveals how that happened, the Bible, and then if that story is true in, in, in Jasher, then that happened the way uh it describes there. So the Torah portions for next week. Genesis chapter twenty eight, starting in verse ten, to Genesis thirty two, verse three. Genesis chapter twenty eight, starting in verse ten, and you should write this down if you have a pencil. Or you can listen to this uh in the archives. Genesis chapter twenty eight, verse ten. To Genesis 32, verse 3. Hosea, chapter 12, 
starting in verse 13 to Hosea chapter 14, verse 9. John chapter 1, starting in verse 43 to 51. Again, the Torah portions for next week. Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10 to Genesis 32, verse 3. Also, Hosea chapter 12, starting in verse 13 to Hosea chapter 14, verse 9. And John chapter 1, starting in verse 43 to John chapter 15, uh, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 43 to verse 51. So those are the Torah portions or the teachings of our Lord for next week. And in the remaining four minutes, I just want to again stress, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be living in a time of great chaos and difficulty. And again, we need to prepare for these things. Our spending has never been the way it's been today. And you have to, to look at the facts. You have to, uh, just like this um, this one um, article that's on the state of working America. If you go to this website and type in in Google, the state of working America, wages, facts and figures from the Economic uh, Policy Institute says the major development in the labor market in recent years has been the stunning divergence between the rapidly rising productivity without a parallel rise in wages. So, in other words, productivity has been increasing, but wages has not been increasing. Wages failed to rise for typical workers after 2001, even as, and that's after September 11, even as half of the productivity growth for the 1995-2005 period occurred since then. Wage growth was pummeled by poor job creation and increased job shortages during the, the early 2000 recession and lackluster recovery. So that's the, the, the problem, too, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, then I hate this right here, but I'm going to talk about it. Over the 1992 to 2005 period, the median or average CEO saw pay rise by 186.2% while the median workers saw wages rise just by 7.2%. In 1965, U.S. CEOs in major companies earned 24 times more than an average worker. This ratio grew by 262% by 2005. And this is all James Chapter 5 written all over it, ladies and gentlemen. And then Malachi Chapter 3 talks about one of the reasons why God is going to come back is because of the, um, the pressing of the hireling of his wages. And then James chapter 5, which really is a book written to our nations, our, our 12 tribes of Israel, which the United States is the leader of economically. Uh, it says right here in verse 1, go to, go to now, you rich men. Weep and howl for the miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. This is what's going to happen to their riches in the future. Verse 3, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days, the days that we're living in today. Behold, the higher the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. What kind of fraud have we been talking about? What caused this collapse, economic collapse? All the deceptiveness of Wall Street, fudging financial statements, etc. That's the fraud. Crieth, and, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth, or the uh, armies. Verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton or lusting. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. In other words, talking about the great oppression that many people in this country experience today. Verse 7, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. So this is in the context of the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and have long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near, ladies and gentlemen, and that, and that is the good news. The Lord is going to rise up. He's going to rise up. And this is the last scripture I'm going to quote here. Psalm chapter 12, verse 5. For the oppression of the poor... For the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. May the Lord 
bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 